0: All right, hour two on this Sunday morning, on this Mother's Day, Sunday, May 10th. A little warmer today after it snowed yesterday in this crazy year that 2020 is. Come to you from WFN New York, CBS Sports Radio across the country. Uh, We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. These are challenging times, and Rocket Mortgage is prepared to help. If you need mortgage assistance, contact their team 24-7 at rocketmortgage.com. From their home to yours, the team at Rocket Mortgage is there with you. Scott Pioli joins us, the uh, multiple-time NFL Executive of the Year, who joins us on this Mother's Day morning, busy day for him. Scott, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well,
1: Mike. Thanks for having me again. And, uh, yeah, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there today.
0: You know, Scott, a lot of talk about leagues and trying to open and everything else. Um, When you look at the block, that is, and, you know, Tomlin weighed in and said, listen, all 32 have to open at the same time, no advantages to anybody. Everything has to be done that way or it can't happen. Um, If you look at the block, May 18th to June 26th, before you guys go on your vacation, before you come back and open camp, what in your mind is the thing that, if you've got to prioritize, what's the most essential thing that you think a team has to get accomplished in that time period?
1: Getting the rookies up to speed. Getting the rookies and the first year players, you know, players that you've acquired via free agency, people that are new to the program, getting them acclimated to. Um, getting to know them and then getting them acclimated in the system, which is obviously a very tough thing this time of year or or this year because no one can get their their people there. However, for the people that are first-time coaches or first-year coaches in new situations, it's going to be even more difficult. This is, again, the time where, you you know, when rookie minicamp starts – you know, players are going to work out, and they're going to work on their own. The real professionals are going to get themselves prepared. Do you like to have them in the offseason program? Absolutely, because you can, they can bond. They can get to know one another better, especially if there's new players. But the big focus is on the rookies and the new players and getting them acclimated to the system. Or if you've got a change in coordinators, you know, getting the entire offense or defense on the same page with whatever is
0: new. Do you treat veteran newcomers the same as rookies, even though they understand the league, even though they're independent contractors, they might be mature players, they might be very good at their position. Do you treat them as new faces, the same as your rookies because they're new, or do you treat them differently?
1: Well, You treat them new in the sense that you help them get acclimated to the area. They spend a lot of time with the player engagement. The the person used to be called player programs director is now player engagement. So Just getting them uh, familiarized with the area, with Traffic patterns. You spend extra time with them um, in in that sense, but for the most part, and you get them acclimated to the some of the newness of again getting to know the coaches and the style and some of the people around the building. But it's not like rookies. Rookies have to be ramped up, and and a lot of times, as we all kiddingly say, you know, rookies don't know what they don't know, and there's a much steeper learning curve where you've got guys coming from college and having been on scholarship and there's this new you know new realization that this is their jobs um and and they're not just there on the scholarship uh and and they've got even more free time than they've ever had so it's a lot it is a lot different for the veterans but you do have to get them acclimated in certain in certain ways similar to rookies
0: if you had to do this virtually if you had to teach this stuff to your new players virtually if you had to meet virtually versus being together during this uh springtime is that going to be a huge detriment that you're not on the field and that you have to meet that way? Would that be a huge drawback? You know, I think it is for certain
1: players, Mike, because I think you know what, something we've learned during you know during the last twenty years plus is that players learn differently, right? And we one of the things that came to light years ago is how certain players learn differently. Some players could read a playbook, understand, it, and put it out on the field. Some people. Some players need to have walkthroughs, physical walkthroughs on the field, in order for their, you know, for them to memorize things. So the players who learn differently um, than being able to just hear a talk or see things, you know, on the old chalkboard that is now the grease board that is now, you know, drawing on the film, um, it is going to be a little bit different uh, depending on the the learning style of the player. It is it's going to have some. For some players, it'll be fine. For some players, it'll be prohibitive um, because the the difficult part is now you have less of an opportunity in person to find out how a player can or cannot learn.
0: If you can't have the team meet as a whole, no less get on the field before, say, training camp starts, is that going to be an enormous drawback for teams uh, or do you think it's something they can deal with?
1: It's something they can deal with, Mike. Because again, I go back to you know the the lockout in 2011. I go back to that year. Is it detrimental? Yes, but when it's something is detrimental to all 32 teams, or it's the same way, where well, that's where I agree with Mike Tomlin completely. Whatever we do has to be done 32 teams across the board, and if everybody is at the same disadvantage, at least it's mitigated somewhat. Where the competition had all of the same limitations. So is it is it going to uh, slow things down? Yeah, it will. But again, I, I look back to that 2011 year, Mike. Remember, w- once that season ended, the lockout started, and coaches were not allowed to contact players. No club employee was allowed to contact players or their representatives for that entire time. And I don't think it ended, Mike, until like August 10th or 11th. So it was even more, um, there was an even greater absence of the relationships during that time. And then, oh, by the way, training camp started. We had never met our rookies. And then all of a sudden, it was 100 miles an hour up and going on August 10th. So they're at least having the opportunity to do this virtual teaching and virtual um, training. And there's, they're getting more out of it and more into it this year than they did in 2010. So, in an odd way, things are ahead of what the 2010 season were,
0: was. Let me, let, let me ask you, if you have a team, let's take the Giants, uh, and we're talking about Scott Pioli, of course. If you have the Giants, who oh, you know...
1: I'm sorry, I said 2010, I meant the 2011 season.
0: That's fine. Right. If, you know, if you have a team like the Giants who you know well, um, and they have a new coach, a new staff... They have new coordinators. You have a whole, You so everything's new. You have everything is new. A second-year quarterback, a bunch of young players you're counting on, new coordinators, new staff, the whole thing. What is the most important? Do you think that it's going to be harder for him to get his coaches all on the same page and get what they want to do? down this spring, or is that going to be harder than it would normally be, or do you feel he can adequately do that? Is that going to be harder, or is the player part going to be harder for a first-year head coach?
1: I think that, to me, uh, I think the most difficult part, Mike, is going to be the relationship part, right, where in the off-season there's so much going on, and, and knowing how head coaches now and assistant coaches, they – they, they're in the office, and when players are in the office um, or in and around doing the off-season workout, those relationships start to get cultivated. Players start to get a sense of what a personality, of what the real personality of someone is and what the real style of someone is in terms of their coach, and the coaches can determine that about the players, too. They can start to learn over the months of March, April, May, June, you know, it's so much easier to get to know people in person when you can spend actual time with them and see in-person behaviors. To me, that's going to be the most difficult part. The teaching will be the teaching. Again, all these players that are coming in have all played football before. They've been in systems, and college systems, you know, the, the way that colleges run things now, um, uh, you know, that learning curve should not be that deep right especially if the coaches are good coaches and they're good educators which i think the you know i believe that the group at the new york giants i think it's a really talented group to me what's going to be difficult is the players getting to know their coaches and the coaches getting to know the players as people because again it comes down to relationships and motivation in this game mike and they're going to now be in this situation again just like 2011 when it, when it was new for coaches you know for new coaches then that's going to be the toughest part, the absence of human interaction. Because, again, in this game, Mike, you have to make such incredible demands of players to do things that are not normal um, normal human behavior. When you don't have a trusting relationship, it's a little bit more difficult.
0: And you've got to figure, I mean, if you go and you bring in a Garrett, you're a judge and you're a first-year head coach. You're bringing in a guy who's been a— Quarterback in this league for a long time, and then has been a head coach in this league for a long time. You got to figure you're letting him run his offense. You got to figure that's what you decided to do when you brought him in. So you got to figure that's part of the deal.
1: Absolutely, and I think that that is such a huge advantage for Joe Judge. I, I am a I am a big supporter, believer in Jason Garrett. I've known Jason for years. Respect him as a coach, as a teacher, as a person.
0: Wonderful guy. Wonderful ball. guy. He's yeah. yeah. It's not, I, 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 I've always told people touch. that as nice a guy as you can talk about, too. I mean, a lot of people 100%. thought he wasn't tough with players and stuff like that, but a wonderful guy. And, as nice a guy and a first class guy all the way completely.
1: And you don't have to have, you know, sometimes people get personalities and public personalities, you know, um, and or facial reactions on sidelines on Sundays confuse with tough. Now, and and what is tough? Here's what I do know: is Jason is very smart, and he has high expectations, and he's very demanding. Just because he doesn't react a certain way publicly that we see, doesn't mean that he's not tough on people, and doesn't mean that he's not demanding on people. I think it's an unfair characterization that's happened to Jason over the years. And again, I I've seen him work. I've been around him when, and he is demanding and he is, um, he just expresses himself differently. And um, he is as fine a person as I've met in, in football. And he's a tremendous coach. And I think I love that Joe judge did this because to me, what that showed, Joe, Joe is confident and trusting because he knows that he wanted a good football mind. And for him to show the humility and the confidence to bring in someone who had just got done being a head coach and feel confident and comfortable in his skin, I thought that told us and spoke volumes about the person that Joe judges. I thought it was a brilliant hire by him. And Joe also knows that he's now got someone to lean on because, you know, when you jump into that head coaching role or that general manager's job, there's no, no one is ever prepared for those uh, prepared for those jobs. There's going to be things come up, and you want to have um, you know, someone to, to bounce things off of. And uh, Jason's going to be that person, not only offensively, but as a, a head coach whisperer to help Joe out.
0: So your feeling is, if they don't get a lot of time, and it doesn't look like they will, a lot of time on the field before training camp, that's something that you think the teams can very adequately overcome, right? And
1: they will, because again, everyone's going to be on the same uh, on the same schedule. And I go back to watching 2011. I was a general manager at that, part, at that point in time, and when everyone has the same starting point, it's now. I think the the beginning of the season might have a little more sloppy football, but I don't think it's going to be. Um, you know, I don't think any one group is going to have more sloppy football unless it's just a sloppy program to begin with. So it's it's still going to be good football. I I really believe it's going to be fine. We, we this isn't the first time we've been through this. Again, go going back even further when there's been strikes and there's been you know replacement players and um we've seen this before and I th- I think we'll be fine. I think we'll All be right. fine.
0: One last one today and that deals with the schedule. You guys know year in and year out by the format. What the schedule basically is the next year. I mean, you guys know who you you, you know all but two of your games. are going, you, You're, right, you're you know your opponents. You, you know your opponents going in, so you've already you know that you can get guys doing work beforehand. You could do all that when you finally see the sequencing of games. When you finally see when you're playing whom, how your schedule breaks out, who you're playing early, who you're playing late. How much does that change things, or does it not change things at all for you guys?
1: It it, minimally, I mean, the only thing it changes is when, you know, you sit down, you, the head coach and the general manager or the coaches, the head coach meets with the coaches, hey, is there anything that anyone sees here that you think we have to pay attention to from a logistics standpoint or from a planning standpoint? Usually not a whole lot. Then the head coach and the general manager get together and they talk about if you're East Coast team and you've got back-to-back West Coast games or you've got a West Coast game back East and then West Coast. You have to come up with a plan. Of do you want to stay on the way? Do you like
0: right? to stay? The Giants have that this year. Do you, I mean, the Jets have that this year. Back to back weeks. Do you like that, or you? Or you don't like that?
1: I do like it. You know. You know. It's funny because every place that I've been, we've tried it both ways, and I kind of like the idea, um, especially with younger players now. Right? Younger players like freshness. They like. They like change. Whereas in the in the Years ago, we liked rhythm, cadence, you know, uh, consistency of schedule, and being in the same place. Everything was Sunday at 1 o'clock, so you prepared for Sunday at 1 o'clock. But the, because this younger generation is so so used to change and they like it and actually invigorate them, I think it invigorates all of us. Having that back-to-back time when you're on the West Coast and getting in some sort of pattern on the West Coast rather than doing the, the extra travel... It's a good idea because, again, what people—not when you sp- speak to sports scientists—also, you know, one of the biggest problems with flying um, it, it, and the, the, the jet lag thing is not just the time zone thing. It's the way that the when you're in one of those tubes at you know however many thousand feet, your body's getting dehydrated. You know, there's things that happen to the body, bruising. Um, and and blood flow and dehydration, those things all impact the body. So staying someplace and without having to do too much travel, I really like the idea of it for the body and the mind. And sometimes it's good because you can do bonding on the road with the team. You do team events, things that you wouldn't normally do because players aren't thinking about having to get home to their families. So what are you going to do? You're going to hang out and bond with your team. So I, I really do like the idea of of spending time on the West Coast. Now, and then that becomes a big investment by the owner. You know, the owner has to decide, okay, well, we're going to spend this money and we see the investment, and and hopefully it'll pay off.
0: How about the idea of when your buy uh, is? I know people always talk about that. I know that coaches used to tell me, I like it halfway of the season Having the season start the day training camp starts, I like it halfway through the year from there, not halfway through the year from September. I like it halfway through the year from when training camp starts. Did you have a time where you liked the buy to be, or it doesn't matter?
1: Yeah, to me, Mike, and myself and most of the coaches that I worked with, we liked it middle of the year or just after the middle of the season, um, to give a breather, to give a rest, to let you know, have that extra week then for the bodies to heal. But then I remember a couple times where that's what we wanted, and then the team got on a roll, and we had momentum as a team. It's like, I ah, wish we didn't have the body now, where we could just, you know, in- enjoy this momentum and keep things rolling. But I just, uh, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with I'd like to have it at that middle point of the year or the start of the second half of the season. However, if you have a really rough training camp, and you've got a lot of players injured, you know, there may be some second-guessing saying, wow, I wish we were coming out of training camp with an earlier bye week so we could get healthy. Um, but its uh, I would prefer, again, mid-season.
0: And one last one. Jets play Dolphins two weeks in a row. Uh, any advantage for anybody or disadvantage for anybody playing the same team? There's a buy in between, but playing the same team two, week, two games in a row, there'll be a buy in between? Well, I think what it is,
1: it's 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 a break for the coaches, quite honestly, where they don't have to get distracted with the next opponent, where they have this to me it's going to be not a mini buy, but there's this opportunity where they're going to be focusing on the same team, two weeks you know back to back games with that week in between, they can actually take a breath and it may not be you know midnight in the office because you're going to be game planning against the same team, the same people, the same system. For those back-to-back weeks, without you know another game in between to get your mind and thoughts, so I think actually what it'll be it'll be in an odd way um, easier. It could be and should be easier hours that week for people to recharge and, and get some rest, and then maybe be getting a head start on the the next opponent.
0: All right. Listen. Thanks very much. Enjoy your day. We'll talk next week. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Scott Pioli, of course, when we come back, a lot more to do. We'll also get some calls in back after this.